0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast, episode number one hundred and sixteen, the first episode of the new year, two thousand twenty. Uh, who who would have thought we would still be doing podcasts at this point in time? Looking back, I've been posting a lot of um, a lot of the podcast on YouTube, on the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel, and I can't believe. Kurt and I have done podcasts for ten years, over ten years now. Um, it's it's crazy. We actually did an entire decade of podcasts, and it doesn't seem like it's a lot. But I thought when I started post uploading them onto YouTube, I thought it was going to take me like two weeks to upload, and I'm still doing it. And I think I'm what I think it's already been six weeks and still uploading them. And I think I'm halfway done with with um the the old Slam and Stand episodes, and I am probably a third done with Lucha World lucha world podcast so it's actually taking longer than i expected but yeah there's we've been doing a lot of podcasts haven't done one in a while because i think i did one with the lucha talk uh, on lucha talk with dylan and microman fever in mid-december our year-end show and like i said also in previous episodes it's kind of hard to do a, a a secondary lucha libre podcast when you're doing one already for lucha talk and having to repeat myself kind of gets a little bit uh, difficult to do just for myself personally. So, honestly, if you're if you're if you want to listen to the to Lucha podcast, you can listen to Lucha Talk and Lucha World. And if I'm not doing it on Lucha World, you'll just find it on Lucha Talk um, on the MLW Radio Network. But you know, I think the last podcast we did was mid December, and I don't even think we talked about Guerra de Titanes. But that's the, really the last big show of the year for AAA, and then CML had a bunch of shows, you know, going. After that, but we usually take that time off because CML doesn't really do a lot during the holidays. They started doing these year-end big, sh- like the year-end Cin Piedad show, and then the, the first show of the year they always had on Fridays. They usually have like a, a best-of show, Well, this time they kind of didn't have a, 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 they didn't have a deep enough roster to really do a best-of, or they really didn't even try to do a, a best-of. Honestly, I think it's more that because I still think they have a good enough roster where they could put together um, six good matches, but, you know, at CMLL, the, their booking committee is, their their programming department has really gone to uh, lunch the past year, year and a half. Um, they haven't, even longer than that. Uh, they go through, thir- in the past, they would go through cycles where they would not have anything to do, uh, but, you know, the last year, it's been really difficult um, to watch CMLL. And in the last couple of, like, months, it's been very repetitive, and that's basically what we've had um, since late December and into 2020 with some of the shows that they've had. Um, They started off the year with half the crews. I I think it was like 15 guys going to Fantastica Mania. And usually that means about two weeks of CMLL just pretty much doing the same match on uh, same shows, same matches on on every show. Uh, Kind of unfortunate. They had a Rey del Aire, which was actually pretty good um, Templario won it and they didn't really have a lot of high flyers but they really went out of their way to do a lot of stuff and you basically had Black Panther doing I think he did maybe like 6 or 7 Tope Suicidas in the match and um, Templario was really good in it there were a couple of good um, good performances but and it actually ended up being a good match but you kind of wish they would have used a few more high flyers in this they had way fewer high flyers than in previous Re- Reyes del Aire um, torneo ciberneticos we also had um in what was it the christmas show they had uh i think that was the or was it the christmas show or the new year show one of those shows they had um esfinge lose um espiritu negro lose his his mask to principe diamante then we got the news that principe principe diamante was going to be re-gimmicked as diamond and if you saw the diamond character Basically, it looks like a ripoff, a knockoff, of El Hijo del Santos mask and look, and it's already bad enough that they're doing that. But then, what do they do with Diamond? Very first few appearances, he basically loses. So pretty much, he's pretty much the same person, just losing in different fashions, I guess. I thought it was funny that when he did the CMLL Informa appearance where he debuted his new look as Diamond, he talked about how he was going to be the 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 man to lead lucha libre into its next boom, and what happened? Pretty much that got diminished rather quickly. I don't think the last person that did um, to, that led the boom in in lucha libre got job that quickly, um, or at least he was given better uh, performances. And of course, I'm talking about Mystico, the first Mystico or the first CMLL Mystico, who's now Carístico. Uh, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really see much going on with that. It's it's been a pretty quiet period for CMLL. I don't see it really changing that much other than, you know, probably once Dos Leyenda starts and maybe, who knows, maybe Bandido um, starts getting... Maybe he finally figures out how to work within the system of CMLL, uh, which he had a match with Cuatrero, which got a lot of um, negative feedback from a lot of fans. And a lot of them were kind of blaming Bandido when, you know, the truth was that... Um, uh, Quattrero was working a CMLL, uh, very basic type of match, not even trying to get out of, like, change the, the way the, the match match was going to work, uh, which was unfortunate for Bandito and for us watching. Uh, for the most part, CML the last month or so has really been something where you just pick certain matches that you're going to watch, and, you know, the ones you pick out, you know, they still have enough talent where they can actually pull off one good match per show. Uh, sometimes they don't, especially in Puebla. But I think the Tuesday shows, they've had at least one good match every so often. And Fridays have been very difficult to watch. Um, those are the shows that I usually watch um, the majority of the matches. And unfortunately, watching that hasn't been that great lately. Um, AAA should be starting up, I think, this Saturday. So they're back to their schedule and they're already, they already have announced a February show. So they should be... They should be running more frequently. And thank goodness Mas Lucha is around and um, uploading more shows. Uh, I think there's a a couple of other promotions that are going to start doing a few more um, streaming. Uh, Although they're on services that you're going to have to pay for. But at least you have additional options for watching Lucha. Um, That maybe you're kind of burned out on watching CML and you want to watch some alternatives. Uh, Really the big news and the reason I'm doing this podcast is that there's really three big stories that happened since the last show that I did with, um, which was the Lucha Talk show. I mean, there was a lot more that happened since I did the last Lucha World podcast. But um, we, since we haven't done a Lucha Talk in a while, uh, I want to talk about the, the three major stories that have gone on. Um, of cor- Unfortunately, there were a lot of luchadors that passed away uh, from, I would guess, mid-December to mid, to what we are right now, mid-January, um, late-January. Uh, we had um, Alberto Munoz pass away, um, El Marquez pass away. A couple of um, older wrestlers that haven't been active in years, uh, in several years, I mean decades, uh, they passed away. Um, there's been um, a couple of indie wrestlers that have passed away as well. Uh, but the big ones were really the that, that I think more fans um, felt, a, you know, had a more a, a greater impact on on, on fans and. The reaction to um, their passings were, of course, the unfortunate and untimely passings of Mr. Niabla and Laparca Triple A. Um, Mr. Niabla passed away early Monday, December twenty third, at the age of forty six. Uh, really sad story. He had actually um, several months prior to that he had been talking about how he wasn't wrestling because he had um, he had a blood infection. So that's what happened. Um, so you know because at that time a lot of people were wondering maybe he was suspended by cmll maybe he was you know having issues you know with his battle with alcohol alcoholism and what it turned out was that he actually was just he was basically um dealing with his blood infection i i think he spent a while in the hospital i i, I think it was in october when when he was in the hospital for an extended period of time then i think in november sometime in november i, I think it was right before Thanksgiving. Um, he did an interview with Shocker from his home, so he was already at home, uh, but he was still recovering and dealing with the blood infection. And then in um, in I think that weekend prior to that Monday, December 23rd, uh, Mr. Niablo was taken back to the hospital, dealing with this issue, and he unfortunately passed away on on December 23rd. Uh, really, really sad to hear this. I think it's it's kind of I think it's kind of something where. I think with both LaParca and Mr. Nabla, because they went through something, you know, that was so um, public. With his um with his injury during a match in late October. And then Mr. Nabla battling alcoholism. I think a lot of people kind of were a little more uh, prepared to or were expecting this possibility as, you know, this outcome as a possibility. Because, you know, of course, everything they were going through, um, very unfortunate. Uh, Mr. Niebla, I think I think a lot of fans, the one thing everybody remembers, of course, is his um his current gimmick of being the you know the leader of the La Peste Negra, El Rey del Guanga Guangaco or whatever they however they say it, el Pestoso Mayor. He's I mean, he was one of those fun loving luchadores, and one the last couple of years. Not only did we get to see like that fun-loving character, but we also kind of got to see the 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 other side of, of, of that of what was uh, Mister Niebla, which was a man battling, um, you know, dealing with um, alcoholism. Um, you know, if you were watching CML in the last three or four five years, you you would watch, you you could remember um, episodes of cml shows were on television i think there might have been a few that were streaming also because at initially we would see it on television and then when the the streaming when they started being more um cml was streaming more frequently we started seeing more of this happening where you would see mr niebla in no condition to russell actually be on shows and we would see you know Nero casas felino or any of his his opponents you know his partners his opponents kind of just like helping him through the match or keeping him out of it just to make sure he, that nothing would happen and nobody would get hurt. Um, of course, there was that one match where Volador Jr. Um, quickly unmasked them and, and and got the DQ loss just because of how bad Mr. Niebla was as far as um, being able to perform on that for that show. And, you know, it. I think it became more of a, he kind of became more of a, you know, his fans could, you know, could forgive and overlook that. But then you had a lot of newer fans, and some of the more—I um, would guess it's more of an American fan than anything else—that saw that and was really concerned about him, and maybe wasn't happy that CML was putting out, him out there. And to be fair to CML, if it wasn't for if, if CML wouldn't have put him out there, some other promotion would have done it, uh, or an independent promotion. We've seen it a lot. We've seen it often with um, a lot of wrestlers who are in a no, you know. She probably shouldn't be wrestling and they end up you know getting booked because you know it's wrestling and overall what a, what a career he had uh he started in in CML in 1995 and right away he was one of those guys who was quickly pushed he was a he quickly was added to the Ola Azul trio teaming up with Leesmark and Atlantis and they actually I think they won the CML World Trios titles or the one of the trios titles I can't remember which one but um, there were quickly, like the, the, he was quickly one of those, um, showed a lot of promise because he was a very, um, very different from what he later became more known for, where he was more of a, a comedy character and did more, um, clowning around in the ring. He, um, early on, he was very no, known for his high flying athletic style of wrestling, and he was really good too, by the way. And, um, you know, around that time, another young wrestler was starting up as well, which was Shocker. And you know they, they CML put them both together. I think it was some, somewhere around 90, late 97, early 98 where they were put together and um, they they became one of the, the top tag teams during that time period. Uh, Mr. Nebla was still teaming up with Olaul at that time. He suffered an injury and then you know at, when he suffered that injury he took they took him out of Olaula but kept him in with um, teaming up with shocker. And I think that was sometime in '98 when he suffered that, that injury. I think it was late 98 and around that time CML had started elevating a lot of their young talent and you know obviously Mr. Niebla and Shocker were two of the wrestlers that they were going to elevate and a couple of other wrestlers were added to that Ray Bucanero Ultimo Guerrero um, I think Mr. Aguila was in that group as well Uh, Tarzan Boy so you had a lot of younger guys who were starting to get moved up which was very different to what you see now in CML where they they haven't had a period where they've done that Um, but in 98, 99, they really went hard for that. And it probably helped that, like, the guys who were on top at that time were guys like Atlantis, Viano Tercero, uh, Blue Panther, Nero Casas, you know, guys who kind of weren't going to, like, hold guys down compared to what you might see in other, um, during different time periods where, you know, guys are trying to protect their spots. At that point in time, you know, you were starting to see some of the certain guys not not there and so they were starting to elevate guys dr Wagner jr was another guy who was getting pushed uh, moved up in the up the cards um, actually Dr Wagner jr kind of got that also because of uh, um, his tours to with New Japan um, so he was really becoming a hot, hot um, a hot um, name for CML as well so his big push in 1998-99 90, and um, as I said he suffered an injury when he came back um, Shocker was starting to do the heel turn. And it really came, came became a big deal in, um, I think it was in the Dos Leyendas show when they wrestled against. Uh, I think it was, it, it, I think it was a, the one of those uh, a tournament final, and Shocker turned on Mister Niebla or was starting to like not be. He kind of he didn't turn on him. He's starting to like be a little bit more of a, a rudo. And at the end of the match when when they when they lost, uh, Mister Niebla went and shook hands with his opponents and shocker refused and from that point forward i would say from march all the way through may june um, shocker did the heel turn be it not um, refusing to tag into matches or or you know kind of being a little more um you know careless and yeah. in and in, in, in getting involved in matches and then finally he did the he did the full-on heel turn on mr niebla and um in i think it was in the summer 19, 1999 um, he brought in It was actually one of those memorable moments because he brought in the IWRG Mr. Niebla, who would later wrestle as Mr. Mexico for CMLL, and um, that led to the Mr. Niebla IWRG Mr. Niebla feud, and then from there they they're basically using that to um, continue the Shocker feud with Mr. Niebla, but they kind of were able to throw in the IWRG Mr. Niebla Mr. Niebla feud where they had a big mass match. I think it was in early August. And then from that point, then they went back to the Shocker-Mr. Niebla feud. And um, they had a, a couple of bloody matches. Um, there was a couple of um, tag matches and trios matches where they left each other very bloody in matches. Um, there was right, I think, be- the week before the anniversary show, they had Shocker teaming up with Viano Tercero versus Atlantis and Mr. Niebla. And they actually all left, you know, as a brawl. The aniver- Just to lead up to the anniversary show where, you know, they very wild match and then they got to the anniversary where you know Mr. Niebla was able to unmask Shocker. Um, it was a, a relevos increíbles match where Mr. Niebla and Shocker wrestled Atlantis and Mr. A- and Viano Tercero and Atlantis and Viano Tercero ended up winning um, both saving each other's mask and then Mr. Niebla and and Shocker wrestled each other and that is where Mr. Niebla unmasked Shocker and Shocker ended up becoming a, a huge, a far bigger star because he unmasked, did the whole catchphrase of being, of still being mil por ciento guapo, 1,000% handsome. And that, I think that really kind of took Shocker to that next level, whereas Mr. Niebla kind of became a main eventer, but he was always more of a worker and not really the, the, a huge star like Shocker would become. Um, as part of those guapos, um, they still kind of kept them involved with, against each other. And Mister Niebla was still very relevant because he was, he was now a main event character. But he was as a technical, he never was at that level of um, of shockers. And you know, but they they you know they they had they had an incredible run. And then in um, in mid two thousand six, Mister Niebla got I think he got fired from CML because he was dealing. He had one of those moments where he was dealing with. Um, um, you know, his drinking problem, and it had been something that had started early in a CML career. And he actually mentioned how there's there after his passing, a lot of the people who um knew him at that time kind of talked about how you know so many people would warn him about drinking, and you know, he never really listened. And he was so like, he, you know, it's 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 something that a lot of um. In the you, you see it in also you also used to see it in pro wrestling, I'm sh- in, in the United States and I'm sure you see it in all of pro wrestling around the world. But in Mexico, it kind of is more of a a cultural thing where you have a lot of um, luchadors who will go out drinking or you know even like they'll drink in the locker room, um, have a couple of beers, maybe something a little harder. Uh, and you know if you don't, some guys can actually control it, others can't. And Mr. Namblot kind of felt it, fell into the whole um, can't category and so he got fired from um from cmll but it kind of was a positive for him in as far as in his career because he ended up going to triple a and that is really where he kind of developed his character became more of a charismatic character and um he he kind of um he kind of learned how to cut promos Something that isn't very common CMLL, which is very unfortunate, because if you watch CML in forma, there are a lot of guys in CMLL who could actually cut promos, and we've seen it with a lot of guys when they go to AAA from CMLL that they actually are very good talkers, and they never just they never get to do it because in CML you don't that's not one of the things they do. It's a very traditional uh, style of promoting and running shows where you know they give you the lineup, they give you the entire weeks worth of lineups and you know, that's what they do. And maybe one person might, might issue a challenge, um, post-match, but usually, you know, guys don't really do a lot of promos. Um, but you know, because especially when they had TV at that time where they never did anything like that, um, at, during that time period there, they did it early on. Uh, but as the years went on, they kind of were starting to cut out the whole, um, you know, when they stopped doing a lot of the skits on the, under, on, on the CML TV shows, a lot of guys were stop uh, weren't doing as many, um, um, they weren't really learning how to do um, interviews and stuff like that or cut promos. Uh, so while in AAA, Mr. Nebla was added to the Vipers, and that was a very um, you know with Abismo Negro and, and you know the the usual crew that those guys, and that was one of those things where two guys you put two guys who were having issues, uh, personal issues, Abismo Negro having issues with um, drugs, Mr. Nebla with alcoholism, and so you had Abismo Negro kind of no-show a lot of um, times. There were periods of times where he wasn't even around. And when that happened, at one point, they decided to turn him technical and have those Vipers turn on him. So they were kind of setting up this this big um, mass match in 2008. And it was going to happen in Triple Mania. And it was going to be Mr. Niebla and Abismo Negro in a mass versus mass match, which was going to be this huge thing. Um uh, I think that would, probably would have ended up being one of um, one of the bigger mass matches in um, AAA history, just because at that point in time, Abismo Negro was a far bigger star than Mr. Niebla actually, because the way he came across, he was like very charismatic and and you know to that crowd in AAA, he was like he was the bigger star. And Mr. Nie- but N- Mr. Niebla had the had the star factor because of you know him headlining anniversary shows and winning the Master Shocker, and he was pretty much still recognized as a star. Um, but I think that would have been one of the bigger mass matches. Unfortunately, it didn't happen because obviously um, some people kind of blamed the Negro. Others blamed Mr. Niebla. But what ended up happening, and I think uh, Mr. Niebla brought it up, what ended up happening was that Mr. Niabla kind of got, um, was concerned that he actually couldn't put his mask on the line. And he got, he, he pretty much was told by CMLL that he did not own the rights to that name. And so they kind of used that as a way to like, supposedly, this was his story that that was how, that was why he, that mask match could not happen because he, it was, it wasn't, he did not own the rights to the mask or the character, Mr. Nebla. And when they were talking to him and telling him this, they told him that they offered, they, they made him an offer to return to CMLL. As a way to like make make it make uh, a do a uh, make good, since he's not going to be able to headline a big show like Triple Mania, hey come back to CMLL, and you'll be a main eventer over here, and he be- decided to return to CMLL. Um, I think within a week after Triple Mania, uh, because I think the Triple Mania main event ended up being like a, a cage match or something with with uh, the Vipers and a couple of other people involved in it, and Mister Niebla ended up um, the week a week later he was working on uh, CMLL. Um, he made his return and and you know at that point 2008 he ends up teaming up with Nero casas and they um they start talking about possibly reforming la ola negra which was which was one of Nero casas's old trios back in the the name of a old trio of Nero casas in the mid 90s when he was teaming up with uh mano negra and i think black magic at that point and So they went, they talked about it. They went to, um, they still didn't have the third guy in this. They went and talked to Paco Alonso and they told him about their idea about being La Ola Negra. Um, He liked it, but um, Mr. Niebla suggested that they not go as Ola Negra, that they go as Peste Negra instead because he kind of thought they were more of a, it wasn't, the initial group wasn't like going to be dirty, but it was going to be like a, you know, Peste being a, an illness you know a, a disease or whatever so he kind of he kind of wanted to use that as more of a to get more of a reaction from fans and so from that point they added up um, heavy metal but when they started doing the gimmick they kind of add the, the the trio gimmick they started adding a little bit more you know hey let's not let's let's act like we're the dirtiest guys. so they started you know painting themselves with you know black making it look like they they were dirty and it kept getting worse and worse as far as like trying to outdo each other as look as what they look like heavy metal ended up not wanting to be part of that group um as mr nabla said um, heavy metal was more of a rock and roller and not really a a guy who's into um the music that they were listening to so he left they ended up replacing him with felino and at that time it was going to be uh mr Neabla, narrow casas felino and then i I recall Ray Bucanero, right after Felino joined, was going to join in with um, um, Zacarias El Perico. So they were going to be the four with Perico in it as their mascot. But um, they decided to switch Ray Bucanero, because even Ray Bucanero wore a pow- pi- pirate outfit. He was doing, like, everything. You know, he would even, like, be very abusive towards um, the parrot. And, but what they ended up doing was they kind of ended up putting Ray Bucanero with Terrible and Tejano for, to form for Sotterete, TRT and you know it ended up being Mr. Niebla Felino Nero Casas and they kept the parrot Zachari- Zacharias so from that point forward that became the trio and that, and if you've heard the stories they were very dirty they, um, they came up with a lot of different spots Mr. Niebla came up with the infamous S.M. SMS, um, spot which is known to us as the spit spot uh, but S.M.S. stands for Sudor, moco, saliva, which translates to sweat, booger, um, saliva. I mean, you could say mucus, but it's to me, I, I prefer saying booger. And um, so, you know, it's a spot where he spits up in the air and, and catches his spit, his own spit. Uh, but they kept, they kept coming up with other stuff. Like um, Felino would talk about, like you know, lifting up their arm, armpits, armpits, so and, and smelling each other's armpits, doing all that. Gross stuff. Uh, Mr. Niebla did the, um, Felino did the whole um uh, spot where he would ru- um grab his ass and and you know make his opponent smell his um his hands. Um, they did a lot of gross stuff. Uh, if you hear uh, some of the guys tell stories, um, the majority of them are, are very um offensive about Mr. Niebla. But you know, for the most part, they all talk about how he was really just a guy who loved to have fun. You never knew he would, how, if he was um how he if he was feeling depressed or anything or sad or. You know anything like that because, you know, all you heard about was that he was um he was always he always had a positive attitude. Um, even when he was drunk, he was very positive. That's what a lot of the guys said. Um, I think the last big thing that happened to Mister Niebla was really that New Japan CMLL Fantastic Mania tour in 2015, where he was basically kicked off the tour. Uh, what happened was he had he Mister being Mister Niebla, he decided to go out partying in japan or he partied too much and one day they um he didn't show up he didn't show up on time or to something that they were gonna do i think my I, I don't know if it was the show or he just was wasn't waking up to get to the bus in time and when they went and opened the the his hotel room door they found him laying on the floor and they actually had to take him to the hospital there was a lot of concern that he may have died he would he that he was gonna die or you know it was pretty bad um, so bad that New Japan was upset with Mr. Niebla, and actually with CML, and they made CML pay the the hospital bill for um for Mr. Niebla. And you know, Mr. Niebla even said that you know he had a very good boss in Paco Alonso and CML because they always tried to like help him out with his um with his drinking problem. Unfortunately, he he just really was somebody that constantly, you know, he he um you he get suspended by CML, and every time he got suspended, we knew because. You know, he had fallen off the wagon and unfortunately he would be gone for about, you know, maybe a month, two months, three months. Then he would come back and be in his best behavior for probably three or four months. Then he'd fall off the wagon again and, you know, get suspended again. And, you know, it it went on and on like that for the last, I would say the last decade or, or like the last 10, 15 years. And very unfortunate because he was a very talented wrestler and, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that he had this issue and it I think it really hurt because he had the talent to be a very good wrestler. But I think the, this whole, you know, the drinking and, you know, the partying and all that, it um—it kind of wore, wore out on his body and, you know, he started gaining gain weight and he really wasn't the, the level of worker um, later in his career because if, you know, you always heard stories about CMLL, possibly doing a Mr. Nebla Atlantis mass match. I think there was at one point that was a plan for one of the anniversary shows, but they just could not do it because they could not trust Mr. Nebla to do it. And I think the last time they might've brought it up was when, um, um, the year around the time Atlantis got hurt and they kind of killed that because they just, they just couldn't trust, uh, Mr. Nebla. And I think also Atlantis suffered that injury and, you know, pretty much he hasn't been the same since then. And he's not been around for a while. But after that tour, it was funny because he showed up in um, in, in, in Los Angeles and well, Kurt and I actually got to see him at a show. And I remember asking um, Juventud Guerrera, who I was interviewing, and right after the, the interview, I told him, you know, I want to interview Mr. Niabla, but I don't know if he's going to accept it because I don't know what he's like. Um, he just had this issue in Japan and maybe he won't want to talk to us. And Juventud Guerrera said, you know, um, you don't know Mr. Nebla. I'll go present him. I'll, I'll present you to him and ask him if he'll let you do the interview. And, you know, we went. Um girl totally did that. He went out of his way to do that. And I, I've always been appreciative of what he did. Um, and Mr. Nebla said yes, he'd do it. And even answer, he answered my question about what happened in Japan. Um, he did not tell me the actual truth. He said he had a, he had a throat injury or something and, and couldn't continue the tour. Um, when I told other people about um, the, the his his version of what happened in Japan, um, they immediately laughed and they told me what actually did happen, uh, which was funny. I think at that point a lot of people already knew because um, the Observer had had um, reported that he had actually had that issue. And there were, I think, his return. His his departure from from the Japan tour had actually already made it the rounds in Japan in Mexico, so a lot of people from there also already knew. But it was just funny to hear him say it, and he was a really nice guy. Pretty much, you could tell why he always got more so many chances from so many promotions, um, especially CMLL. Um, everybody talked about what a nice guy he was, and you know it's very unfortunate that um the drinking he never he could never overcome that. Um, you know. I think this this upcoming friday cml is doing their uh, a tribute show for him there's been a uh, there was a, tri- a tribute show for him previously in earlier earlier in the in the month and um you know i think a lot of people are going to miss him just because he had he was very charismatic very talent uh talented um if he would have ever gotten his act together and not um, not had this drinking problem i think he probably would have. i think he could have had another good run because there were periods of time when he wasn't where he was sober and he still could go but it was just so inconsistent and then unfortunately cml started booking these you know really bad matches you know usually pesta Negra would have like you know opposing them they would have like de Sul or you know they'd have these really weird matches that that unfortunately all these guys are involved in these um who would have thought you know when the Ingobernables left that we would still be talking about um them still having problems with um certain matches because you would think the upper card would be so much stronger, not having Bestial ring the Ring in the in in the promotion, and Sieber the main man, and so many of the other guys not being there so frequently. But you know, CML still found a has found a way to make their matches boring, and it's unfortunate. But you know, like I said, Mr. Nabla, really um, charismatic. I think that's what I'm going to remember most. Um, I think there's, I think you're you're going to remember a wrestler who was very charismatic late in his career. The you know. He had two different, you know, career paths. The young Mr. Niabla, who was very athletic, very talented, but they didn't really have a lot of charisma. And then his second run, being very charismatic and being a very fun um, character, a very entertaining guy to watch in interviews. And, you know, and a person that, and a wrestler that also, and person that had, um, who was battling a very, you know, a very serious um, issue personal issue for so many years and made it and did it so publicly um i wish he could have um recovered from that like i said and you know been a, one of the positive stories in lucha libra unfortunately he passed away and you know he'll be missed um the other wrestler that passed away that you know really hit hard was uh, la parka triple a uh, he died on january 11th 2020 due to lungs and kidney failure. Um, he had been in the hospital he had been in the hospital since the injury that he suffered in um i would say late october where he missed that tope on Rouge, landed short and hit the barricade and he never really reco- he, he it just i mean i don't think he was ever going to recover from he was never going to wrestle again i don't think that was even possible but i think a lot of people had hoped that he would at least have a a long life afterwards or a, a, a reasonably good life afterwards unfortunately he did not um it did the, the there was just too much for him to overcome from that um you know and a guy who was around for so many years and you know one of the first things that a lot of people um, got confused was that you had a lot of people who did not could not tell which la parka passed away for whatever reason um people still can't tell could still i mean I'm pretty sure even with Parka dying, there's probably people who are still wondering if um, Ali Park, you know, is still with us. Because that's the way a lot of people, um, they're probably thinking that he's the one that's passed away. And it's unfortunate about that. But it's also a warning to any wrestlers who decide to, wear, um, to use a similar gimmick, especially during a, this, a, a similar time period. You're going to have this issue. Um, should this happen to you as well? But um, it was so weird because there was even like people who wrote about um, La Parca passing away and it was like they wrote about LA Park and it's like, no, that's not, the, you got the wrong one. Um, I know there were a few people who, who, who messaged me and asked me if um, if, if, the, if I was, um, which one was the one that passed away? And I, I kept telling them, it's the AAA one, not the one that you saw in WCW. And in fact, when, when, when this AAA La Parca passed away, a lot of us who, who were, tweeting or posting about it or write or some of the people some of the earlier people that um, reported it um, at the very end they would write this was not you know they would write this was not the La Parca you saw in WCW his that is now L.A. Park and you know they would write his real name Adolfo Tapia uh, because L.A. Park does you, does uh, re- re- reveal his um, his actual name um, just because it's it's such a so confusing and um, La Parca this one was a totally different character. A one that actually, you know, a lot of people um, had a very, um, there's very polarizing character within Lucha Libre, um, the community, the the fan base, because you had a lot of fans who just could never accept them as as anything other than being the, the poor copy of Ali Park, um, the original La Parca, or they just could not get over the fact that he was just getting... Um, he was getting the 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 star treatment because of um you know the previous character and it happens with all these guys, you know, you get it with psychosis and, and other, you know, the, the two guys who would do the psychosis character. And I'm sure it's gonna happen over the years with anybody else, the Mystico Caristico um guys. Uh, the the one positive about Mystico Charistico is that Caristico um changed his name to something else and he's kind of um but you still get people who can't tell them apart, especially if they're not frequently watching CMLL and don't realize that they're um, they're not even like the same guy. But with La Parca, um, I kind of think he was never the level of worker that L.A. Park was, never was. I mean, he wasn't even close to his level, but um, very early in his career, he was actually, um, I would say he was a pretty good wrestler at best. Um, someone who could who could actually do some stuff in the ring. I think once he was given the La Parca gimmick, he realized that, you know, it was more about the character and he didn't really have to, um, he had to make sure that he focused more on the character and he wasn't going to do all this other stuff that went with it. And he was actually pretty decent. I actually thought he was very entertaining as far as um, doing the La Parca character. And I don't think a lot of people gave him that credit Uh, because, you know, a lot of wrestling fans, they only view the work rate. But they don't view the other stuff that goes into it, like the personality, the charisma, um, interviews, stuff like that. They kind of want to just—is this guy, this guy is a great wrestler because he was very good in the ring? But they, I think, there's a little bit more of a forgiveness towards um, interviews. So that I think aspect it kind of it makes more sense to a lot of fans. But like, if a guy is like super charismatic and maybe can't work at all, it takes a it, it takes some fans a little bit of a while to get used to them, and you know. It's even harder for guys who are masked because I think for whatever reason, a lot of fans who may not have grown up with lucha libre, they kind of don't really. um they The first thing they say is like, "How am I supposed to know this guy's charismatic if I can't see his face, his facial expressions?" But you know, a lot of wrestlers, luchadors, um, they use their body to kind of express a lot of the charisma or the personality of their character. So you kind of got that, you know, with La Parka dancing and doing all this stuff and. You know and you know a lot of the body movement that he did he added a lot of that stuff um i i always loved the the spot where he would point toward, down to the ring and pretending that there's like a quarter on the floor on the mat and then you would see you would see the rudos or his opponents looking down and then he would like kind of like do the whole um flip them on the nose or something or like grab their head and like you know put it in between his uh, in the midsection um you know i always thought that was a funny spot but you know La Parca, he, he actually had a pretty... Um, he was a, an independent wrestler early in his career and, you know, he kind of got the attention of um, Antonio Pena through through actually um, the first Volador, Ramo Banda, who is Volador Jr.'s father, Ramon Ibarra, uh, introduced him to, um, to Antonio Pena and he kind of brought him into the promotion, into AAA. Um, I don't know if that was actually i don't know if he introduced them when when i think he might have introduced them before um triple a even started because the way I, I understood it was that you know pena called him afterwards when he was starting triple a but i think he might have met him back when he was in in, in emll at that time CMLL, and um but when when he started forming AAA he brought him in and he brought him in as um I think he brought him in originally as his um his previous character and then he um is the character used in the independence then he switched them over to Caris La Momia and he had a very good run as Caris La Momia kind of more of a mid card um wrestler uh, teaming up with the the monster type characters like Ice Killer and you know Damian six 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 and Halloween and all these other characters, um, hijo del espectro. Uh, so he was kind of more of a, a character of that type. And then in nineteen, in late nineteen ninety six, uh, really around 1990, 1995, uh, a lot a lot of the bigger stars in AAA were starting to rustle in the United States. Um, they had made their way into ECW and then later into WCW. And in ninety six, that kind of became a bigger thing. You had Conan. Remy Stereo Junior, Psychosis, um, they were kind of the first three guys to come in. Then late later in nineteen ninety six, you had um, Juventud Guerrera, Super Calo, I think was in that group, um, La Parca, the original La Parca, and a few other guys started going in as well. Uh, and so you started late ninety six, early ninety seven. You started seeing these guys getting um, splitting their time more in, in 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 the United States and Mexico. And Antonio Pena needed a, a needed some stars to like fill those voids on his shows. So one of the things he used to one of the things he used to do like if if like a wrestler would leave, um or or you know go be busy working elsewhere, he would give him a, a the character. Um, he would do the character, but it would be like a junior version. So he created La Parka Junior, and La Parka Junior, La Parka Junior. Um, it was kind of like a way to trick the the, the the fans into believing that La Parca was here. But then, you know, then he would say, hey, no, we didn't promise you La Parca. We brought you La Parca Jr. And, you know, that that was the way. And I think initially there wasn't like a lot of resentment towards him because La Parca Jr., everybody kind of knew it was a junior. And it for the, like the longest time period, that's how he was known. Um, and then L.A. Park or La Parca left, um, was part of that whole, exodus of guys who left along with conan to go to wcw and to um, work promo steca in uh in mexico and at that point kind of like pena started pushing la Parca jr a little higher and then he kind of started like they they started to get rid of the whole junior in his name and it kind of became la Parca. and by like the early 2000s it basically was no longer la parka jr the one thing that a lot of people would refer to him as like they would always add the triple a because you know with, with when wc it's kind of funny because when they changed the name he became la parka but at the same time um wcw was closing up in early 2000 like in the early 2000s and la park was um was working more frequently in in mexico as la parka he had that amazing feud with El hijo de santo on the independence you know throughout mexico you know especially. Primarily in Tijuana and the Monterey area, they had the the, the feud, and one of the things that uh, Pena didn't want was he was battling uh, Pe- uh, uh, um, he was battling La Parca the original over the name, and he didn't want him to use the name, so he started referring to you know La Parca Junior as La Parca, and that became like this huge deal, you know, a lot of resentment from from La Park, and that's really at that point when a lot of people got. Um, started taking um, Adolfo Tapia L.A. Park side in, this, um, in the whole name thing. And um, the AAA La Parca got a lot of um, negative reaction from the fans. Not the AAA fans. The AAA fans were a little more casual and more into like, you know, they weren't as like hard on him. Whereas, you know, the fans, the diehards and the fans who kind of knew the difference, they were a little harder on him. Uh, one of the things that that was funny was um, when I was writing the the bio obit, which is on the website. Both the, both I have um, obit bios on the on La Parca and Mr. Nabl,a on the on the Lucha World website. If you guys want to read them, and one of the things about uh, the early two thousands was that La Parca um, Televisa was doing these um, awards for um, their sports. And they would do like awards for different like best football player, best soccer player, best um luchador. And they would do this. And since La Park was not with CMLL at that point, and not with AAA, they had La Parka from AAA. They would have like three or four guys, um, usually two from C- from AAA and two from um, CMLL. And La Parka was one of the the guy one of the guys from AAA. And when they would talk about the AAA La Parca, they would show you clips of La Parca A, but then they would show you clips of the old La Parca, but then they would also say, like they would credit him with winning the mask of Pierrot, uh, which he never did. Um, although La Parca, I mean, you will say, I will say that he did win a couple of big mask matches, but he did not take one of the bigger mask matches that LA Park won, which was the one of Pierrot. And Pierrot Jr., not the not the best of the ring one, rush's father, not that guy. But the, uh, the 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 previous one, which was which was one of the far bigger stars of the of lucha libre in the, in the '90s and early 2000s, and so that kind of even made it make people more upset. But um, you know, as the years went on, I think there was a little bit more of an acceptance for La Parca. just because I mean I think you could tell the difference between the, the two, and um i think a lot of people kind of figured he wasn't very good i don't even think it was an acceptance it was more the triple a fans not being okay with it i think a lot of i think a lot of people aren't really bringing it up but as the years went on he wasn't very good in the ring and but he was very successful when he was actually good uh five time ray de reyes winner i think towards the end he kind of was winning that just because, i think the last one he won was really during that time period where he was just one of the the rodan's favorite wrestlers so they kind of gave him that as um, to keep him relevant in the promotion. And, um, you know, but really the, the two things, there's actually a lot of stuff that happened in La Parca's um, career while in AAA. Uh, he won the mask of Cibernético at the Triple Mania in 2004. In 2061, he um, won Muerta Cibernética's mask, which um, was later, who later became El Mesias. I think those were really his two big mass matches. He's won other mass matches. And then he suffered that car accident that really changed the way he, um, he wrestled. He wasn't as, um, he kind of wasn't as, um, he wasn't able to do as much as he used to because you could tell one of his arms didn't have the same um, strength. So as he got older, he, you could tell he was um, um, kind of um, performing more with, um, favoring one of his arms. And the other arm, he kind of would leave alone. There's actually one match I remember. There was when he was doing his heel heel run. He had a very brief heel run too, by the way, like for about four or five months, as a Rudo, and um, he had this really good match where he actually did everything with the with with one arm, and it looked really good. Um, it was a really fun match. Uh, I think I even brought this up when that happened on one of the episodes. If you go back to to that one, I can't remember which which, but it was like in, it, it happened in the in the I think it was. 2014 or so, when he when this heel turn was happened when it, when this happened, uh, but it was really good. Uh, but really, the big feud that came about was in 2010 when La Park returned to AAA after being gone for 15 years, and they had that year in that year's Triple Mania had the first ever encounter between La Park and La Parca, the Battle of La parka's with the with the name on the line. It wasn't the mask. On the line it was actually the name the rights to the name and all this stuff um Alley park won that. like he just it was a, a one-sided match Alley park just absolutely destroyed him and um it, it was a huge uh, match and you know i think at the very end of it Alley park kind of just said you know keep the name i no longer need it i'm a bigger star now as Alley park and Laparca La continued on. they did they no longer had any issues over the names, especially since Ali Park was using the the name. Alley Park has been, you know everywhere, off and on, CMLL, AAA, independent. you know, in the last twenty years, he's been doing all that stuff. Um, so there really hasn't been a lot of issues from that. And I think that I think that's really the the, the big thing about La Parca. what I think most people should remember about him was that he was very charismatic. Um, I don't think he was quite the level of talent that L.A. Park was, especially as that character, La Parca, but I think he brought something completely different. I think he was more of a... I, I, I wrote this in the in, in the obit where I think when you look at the La Parca that L.A. Park, Adolfo Tapia um, um, worked as, it was more of a... He was always a Rudo at that point in time, and he was more of a rougher wrestler. He still did a lot of comedy spots, but he was far more of a, there was a bit of an edge to that character. Uh, more of a, you know, like, I'll, I'll, you know, what, what L.A. Park is now, you know, just, you know, a badass. Uh, he always had that badass person, personality with to him. And um, whereas La Parca, he always looked like somebody was just having fun. Somebody just liked to dance, have fun, party. And it kind of like, it was something that he kind of expressed in this. He had tons of char- charisma also as that character. And I think that was the big difference between the two characters. He was more of a, a fun character. Whereas um, the LA Park character was more of a, I'm going to beat the crap out of you type of character. And, you know, I, I, I do think he's, he's another guy that, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, I think he died at the age of 54. And he had a lot of, um. I don't know if, I, I, it's unfortunate, died young. Both him and Mr. Niabla died very young and it's it's you know, it's very unfortunate what happened between you know with, with both of them. Um you know, I don't know. Like it's you know, it, I think with with La Parca kinda tells you the risk. It show, you know, the way he the, from what happened with the accident that he suffered, it kinda tells you how risky pro wrestling is. And he did a toe based We see that so you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't want guys to do a lot of these crazy flips, but you know, you could suffer an injury and these guys take a lot of risks just entering entering the ring. I mean, we've seen guys break their um, terra ACL just flipping into the ring. So you know, you know, it, and we've seen guys get hurt just with um, simple bumps that you know you look you think look simple, and it's like they get hurt. You know, suffer a separated shoulder, uh, break a you know suffer neck injuries, uh, back injuries. You know, it could be anything. And you know, I think it's something that I think you always as a fan you kind of have to like can't be too critical of what these guys do and be a little more understanding that you know um what they do is to entertain us and there's a risk involved and you know i think we just hope that after every show every match um that everybody just comes out of it okay and that you you can't really worry about it too much uh, because if, if these guys start worrying about it you know we wouldn't have anything we wouldn't have wrestling um the other big news Now that I've um, talked about this is really one of the weird stories uh, to close out, to actually start off 2020 and to close out 2019. And it involves Conan and psychosis Two, also known as Ripper. Um, Really strange because this actually started in October of last October over, you know, just a simple comment. Um, Psychosis 2 did an interview and he was asked why he wasn't in AAA, and he kind of said that the reason he's not in AAA was because Conan doesn't like him. I mean, honestly, it's no secret. I don't know why Conan decided to respond to that comment on Twitter, other than Conan is, you know, likes to start, likes to like get involved in this stuff. I mean, I was talking to a couple of wrestlers um, recently and we were talking about this, luchadors. And I was telling them, like, why would you even respond, reply to that when you, I mean, Conan has known this guy since like the mid 90s or early 90s. He should have known that this guy was going to react that way. And I think he probably forgot and probably thought, you know, this is just one of these, the many men, people that I'm going to talk shit about. Yeah, he's kind of become like a version of like what, what 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 most of us are, where you kind of see guys just trying to stir shit up on Twitter, and, and 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 you know, wrestlers get upset at the at the at those fans for stirring things up and not knowing about the business and stuff like that. You know, you get that with Cornette also. They they attack other people, and you don't want to do that because trust me one day one of these guys is going to end up uh, showing up and confronting you especially if you're like a celebrity like, like what Cornette and Conan and, or any other any other wrestler might be um, or pro former pro wrestler or anybody involved or any celebrity and so he, Conan makes this comment towards um, towards Ripper about or Psychosis too about how how you know he doesn't see him in any other promotion and so he must not you know he must not be somebody that's really that good or anything so you have this little bit of a back and forth between Psychosis 2 and uh Conan and Psychosis 2 tells them, you know, I'll see you in Leon soon and um but it didn't happen in, Le- in Leon Guanajuato. What ended up happening was uh it happened at the impact tapings in Mexico City just a, just a couple of days ago and it it was it was so weird because we knew this was going to happen. Um a lot of people who know Psychosis 2 um, they will tell you He's not one of those guys You want to mess around with Because he I mean I met him I mean The dude scared me Like the first time I met him The guy does not look like Somebody you want to fuck around with He's He, he turned out to be A very a Very uh, respectful And cordial guy Especially when I started Talking about his um, About um, His um, python Kendra And his snake And It's His pet snake By the way That's You know If you haven't been If you haven't If you never see, saw him In CMLL Maybe you don't know About that but um, if you watch them CML, you know that he had a pet python that he would carry into um to the ring with him. Um, and so but he's not somebody you want to mess around with. And there's wrestlers who have said that, you know, it wasn't just me saying, oh, you know, just as a fan being like, oh, and seeing him and without his mask saying, oh, I don't want, I wouldn't want to mess with him. Um, you know, he's somebody that's going to be um, t- short tempered, especially because this has been building up for years, too. It's not like. You know Conan has not. It's not like the first time Conan has said something about this version of um the psychosis. Um, so, at the Impact tapings, I think it was the Friday tapings. Conan shows up, and who's there with a camera? Somebody, some fan, some guys filming it. Uh, we later found found out that psychosis two showed up with two friends and another with well, three friends because the third one had a camera, filming the or his his cell phone, filming the. The confrontation and um, Psychosis 2 goes over and starts yelling at Conan. And Conan is like, he doesn't know what's going on. And tells him, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, obviously he's, I'm pretty sure he remembered because he very remembered it vividly when he was talking about it in in his podcast. So um, Psychosis was like, you don't remember? Psychosis 2 was like, you don't remember? And then he kind of just slapped them across the face and Conan backed away. And I, at first, you would think, you know, maybe Conan's backing away because he's, you know, you know, he's worried about what's going on, and which he did say he was because there were more. Pe- he's noticed there were more more people with psychosis too. Um, that's something you don't like, since we're watching it from the 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 perspective of the, just the camera. We don't really see um, or the cell phone. We don't really see what else is going on with, until the guy turns around, and starts showing other stuff. Um, but then you kind of see Conan back away. You see this lady kind of trying to keep psychosis like psychosis 2 to uh, trying to calm him down she, she kind of gets moved away and fortunately it doesn't go beyond that because um, Conan backs away and psychosis two leaves I kind of you know it later you know Conan said that um, he was told by the press afterwards that um, the guy who filmed it was trying to get um trying to get people to pay for the video, video footage trying to sell that and nobody took him up on it so he ended up just uploading it I don't know if it was, he uploaded it to YouTube or to Facebook or wherever he uploaded it first. And that's how it ended up all over the place. And I think it's fortunate that, that it didn't go get any further. Um, there wasn't any more to it in that incident, in that moment, because it could have been a lot worse. Um, both guys gave their um, versions, their perspectives of what what went down. And I kind of think they both kind of got carried away in what, what, what they were saying. Um, Conan saying that if, if, if he knew those two guys or those other guys weren't, because he said thugs, there was more people than more than just the two. Like I said, there was also the guy with the camera uh, or filming it. And he he said that if those guys weren't there, he might have maybe thrown a punch at him. Um, he would have defended himself. But a lot of people like, I mean, honestly, if you watch that, Psychosis 2 looked like jacked. He was really jacked. And... And and, and and Conan is in no condition. And even Disco Inferno said, you know, you have a bad back. <laughs> and, and Conan said, yeah, I have two stints on, in my heart also. So, you know, if, he if it would have led to something worse, I'm pretty sure Conan wouldn't have gone... He, it would have not gone well for him. So it was fortunate that it didn't get carried away. And with psychosis too, I mean, you know, honestly, what are you thinking? I mean, you do something like that and if, I mean thankfully nothing happened to conan but if something happens you're going to fucking prison for for you're going to prison you know it's it's not it's not it's not um i don't see the point i mean that's the thing with these guys you know this is something where it just should have just ended you know psychosis 2 should have just been like yeah i'm not on tv you know big deal okay that's it but i also think conan kind of just fed to it because he had to respond to that i mean just don't reply to it you know why he's not on TV. Conan even admitted afterwards. He's not on TV because he's not a guy he really wants to work with. Just write that. That's it. Nobody would have been upset. But they kept on going and it led to that. And I don't understand. It's like you can't talk sense into these guys. Because neither one of them, you know, they they, they have to prove their point And they did it. You know, they wanted to wave their dicks and see who was the bigger man. You know, and unfortunately this sort of thing happened. I mean, it's so stupid. You know What was going to come out of it You know Psychosis too Guess what Now you not working in AAA You weren't anyway So why the fuck do this Conan You weren't going to use them Don't Like Don't even like Get involved You should have known better And both of them I mean they both looked bad To me honestly um, <laughs> Then they did They did interviews afterwards Talking about the situation And I thought it was interesting Just because they both Kind of like Were talking about how They were both Happy that it didn't end up being any worse but they also like other grievances um were just you know they were silly and it just was it just became big something that they did for big news and really honestly i think i think psychosis 2 was going out there with the intention of getting more press for his um for his bookings and all that i mean come on the guy when who, who could forget a couple of years ago when um he decided to like back out of working a show because he found out um when they booked um, when they booked Rebellion, the which was Penta, Phoenix, Garza Junior and Daga, when he found out they were getting paid more, he basically backed out of working that show just because, you know, he wanted to get paid at their level. You know, we obviously know that that's also one of those you know, there was also that motive. You know, you don't think you know, I know Conan said that a lot of promoters weren't gonna book him, but I'm pretty sure I mean people booked Angel Odemonio for something far more serious. After throwing a cinder block, and they've even joked on it on Maslucha how how Psychosis Two is now going to be booked for for the big slap La Cachetada, and that he gave Conan. So I think that's going to end up. You know, he's going to end up getting far more bookings as well, just because of that. I wouldn't. I mean, he even said that um, one of, um, Chavo Lutero the third contacted him and asked him uh, to return to CMLL uh, because of that. <laughs> It would have been funny. Although, to be fair, I mean, even though they, they brought up Psychosis too, honestly, the he'd be an upgrade to a lot of the, the guys that they have working in, in CMLL right now. Honestly, if they brought him in, he's already in, I mean, this last, with the guys that are in Fantastic Mania, we had Dark Magic working semi-main event matches in Guadalajara. That tells you how, um, how thin the roster is with when when guys are working so many other places and they're, they're running two shows at once when you're getting dark magic, working semi main event matches, you know, that's that the, 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 the and you know, the roster's weak, um, really kind of thinned out. So psychosis too, wouldn't be that bad, but yeah, you know, I just thought it was a silly situation made for some news. Um, I don't know what's going to come of it. I mean, by the end, by, you know, what is it and by, by the end, by within a few weeks, we'll probably be, have forgotten about this unless they keep bringing it up. And who knows, maybe I'm knowing these two guys, they're probably going to keep bringing it up. Cause you know, Conan's not going to stay quiet about it. And you know, psychosis 2 isn't going to like, you know, he's going to want to comment on it as well. It's going to go on and on. Um, psychosis Two has done a bunch of interviews since then. Well, you know, Oh, well, the other thing was that, um, I kind of think this was kind of also to build up uh, the, 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 the upcoming match, um, uh, I think it's Vanguardia who's running a show and the main event is um I think it's Nicho versus, versus Psychosis original Psychosis Nicho el Millonario versus Psychosis 2 I think it's a tag match with the uh, miedo miedo extremo and um and Ciclope being in the in the opposing each other as well um uh, but this is I I'm pretty sure this is going to get a little more interest for that match just because you know Conan brought up how how Um, you know Nietzscheo and Mionario didn't want to work with psychosis back when they were in AAA because you know he was so rough with him and he was so stiff and and he thought that maybe they were gonna it was gonna lead to something worse if they continue to have matches I think they've had a couple matches since that time period so I don't know I don't think that's gonna happen you never know but you know I don't think it's gonna happen I'm sure they're probably gonna do some angle with it from the slap Um, it's silly But you know, it's entertaining. Like I said, it was, at least it didn't, it didn't, now that it's happened, you don't really, and and nothing really came of it. Uh, We could look back at it and say it was, um, it was amusing. Um, But you knew, like I said, you knew this was going to happen. I expect this to happen with any guy who's going to be like using uh, Twitter, social media, podcasts to talk stuff, especially guys like Conan and Jim Cornette. You know, they're always going to have people that are going to want to, if they say the wrong thing to the wrong person, this sort of thing can happen. And, it ended up happening. Um, that's about it for this episode. A Pretty somber episode, honestly, with um, the, the passing of La Parca and Mr. Niebla. But hopefully, like, the, the Conan uh, Psychosis 2 uh, incident brought it back full circle. Uh, I want to close out mentioning that um, I'll be making a change to the Patreon page. I'm going to be adding a new feature to the Five dollar option. It's gonna be something I I I had a lot of people asking me about um, certain things when I when I stopped doing my other podcast uh, my other website, and this is kind of something I want to do for Patreon as far as um I'm gonna be adding something to that. Basically, it's gonna be the the adding videos to that, um, where you can actually download them and and you know instead of instead of me mailing shit out, you just you subscribe, you'll be able to get something every month. Um, honestly I think that's a pretty good um it's gonna be a good deal Uh, and also at the same time I don't have to worry about mailing stuff out shipping worrying about every six months postage getting an increase which became a pain in the ass honestly guys it was something that was horrible Um, I just added a a magazine right up for July 6 1973 from Boxy Lucha I think and it has um it's really a, a good um it's a short write-up because at that, I think that during that time period, there wasn't as much. Um, there was a little more boxing and boxy lucha magazines at that point. So, but there's a really good um, re- results for the shows that that I think the late June shows. There's a really good um, results for Rene Guajardo winning a hair match and um, and there's a Alfonso Dantes title match. Uh, really good stories. Uh, check that out also keep up with the lucha world website go to luchaworld.com for the latest news Um, i also have the youtube channel if you guys want to listen to these podcasts instead of going on the you know the the mp3 version and you just want to go on youtube you listen to it on the retro wrestling youtube channel Um, there's some links on on the on the website to that channel and You'll find not only the Slam and Stand podcast, but also the Lucha World podcast. And I was gonna do some other stuff on there, but I, like I said, I kind of want to get all the old stuff out of the way so it doesn't kind of like mix mix and match. It kind of look it, it. I don't want it to look confusing. So I added some old some some newer stuff early on just to get people interested in it. And then now I'm kind of like focusing just on getting all that stuff out of the way. Once I'm done with that, then I'll start adding um newer content. Um, it's gonna be something fun. Um, So check all that stuff out. Check out retrorustling.com as well. Um, So you know, there's a lot of for for you guys to check out. Um, I think I may have I may be doing too much writing of late. Uh, It doesn't look like I do, but I think I may um, I may be doing a little too much. May have to like figure out a way to like I may need to come up with a solution to just cut down on everything that I do. But you know, as long as I'm enjoying it and I'm not looking at it as a you know it's not stressing me out just because it's it's easy work and it's fun just because it's rustling and i don't really have to do it all the time i mean it's i i don't have to i don't have some i don't have somebody overlooking me and telling me to like do it all the time it's me doing it when i want when i can and i'm i'm very i'm still sticking with lucha world like the you know i think there's been fewer lucha reports just because there really has been times where there's not been a lot of news so But you're still getting two or three lucha reports and the poster manias. And I think right now I kind of got to get caught up up with retro wrestling. But, you know, like I said, it's all for fun. The Patreon page, there's going to be some new stuff. Check that out. And I will talk to you guys again real soon. So long.